Well, certainly not the conversation that neither one of us were hoping to have. Uh, I think both of us were hoping to have a conversation about a game against the Rams in L.A. on Sunday, which is exactly what would have happened if the Hawks could have pulled off uh, the win in Dallas uh, thanks to the Eagles knocking off the Bears. But instead, we are talking about the offseason softy Brian Nemhauser, Hawk blogger, uh, last conversation of the year for us. I'm sure we'll try and hook up at some point during the offseason because I know ahead of time, pal, that I'm going to miss you. Uh, don't get too big of a head, by the way, about that. But I will look forward to talking <laughs> with like you mutual. a couple times over the offseason. So let's let's talk about just kind of takeaways from the game on Saturday in Dallas. Uh, what were your thoughts walking out of that game on Saturday? Well, you know, um, you know, I talked. I, I I was expecting pretty much what we got. So I I was kind of looking. I was hopeful, mm-hmm. but. You know, I think home field advantage is a big deal, and and I think the we talked about how the Cowboys, especially the offense, is much different when they're playing at home. And you know, play here, play there on the road, it's just tough. It's it is tough to win on the road in general. It's even tougher to win in the playoffs. And the Seahawks weren't good enough. I will tell you. I mean, we'll get into all the details, but I will tell you, Dave, I will take the way the Seahawks exited this season over the way the Bears exited this season oh, for sure. any day of the week. So, you know, you got to count your blessings where you, where you can. Well, I guess. I mean, you go 12-4 and four and you lose at home on a blocked field goal. Uh, I think it's a much different feeling, a much more bitter taste in your mouth than what happened in Dallas. But even so, I think there were a lot of ways that the Seahawks could have found a way to pull that off, uh, starting with play calling, man. I, I just kind of felt like everybody else walking out of that game on Saturday that I, I felt like it was not the greatest day for Brian Schottenheimer and really, in turn, not the greatest day for Pete Carroll. How about you? Yeah, it was incredibly frustrating. I mean, not only running the ball, you know, uh, repeatedly, but running the ball really in the same place with the same guys. And it, it, they didn't adjust after halftime. I think everyone kind of expected maybe a little bit of an adjustment. And uh, it was really frustrating. Um, I, you know, I was I was aggravated, but I will also say that I feel like that's gotten it's overshadowed to the point where I think there's a lot of people that feel like if only the Seahawks had called plays differently, there's basically a hundred percent chance they would have won that game. Mm. I think that is the clearly the thing that was that's most obvious that should have changed, but the defense really had a lot of bad plays that changed that game that cost clear, you know, clear points. I can, you know, whether it's the Zeke run on short yardage where he leaked out before halftime, whether it's the Shaq Griffin not covering the player in the end zone and not getting his head around again, where there's the third and 14 quarterback draw, like go on and on. There's a number of plays that were, you know, real point differences. And this is one of the worst red zone offenses in the NFL, and they went three for four. Yeah. Um, they yeah. went one for three in the first game, and, and that's an eight-point difference just right there. So there are a lot of things beyond play calling that I think contributed to this loss, but play calling was certainly the most frustrating. No, I, I totally agree with the defensive aspect of this game, and what really bothered me is that they gave up the score at the end of the half with a buck 43 left to go when you're up six to three, I believe, at that point. Uh, and the uh, Cowboys get that late touchdown. And then after the Hawks took the lead uh, at 14 to 10, Dallas was doing whatever they wanted to offensively. I mean, outside of KJ's interception in the end zone, uh, they score three straight touchdowns uh, on those three drives. They either get, uh, you know, uh, or they get two touchdowns and they get the ball to the one yard line on the pick. So the Seahawks take the lead there 
And Dallas just completely dominates the Seahawks defensively from that point on offensively. So I'm glad you mentioned defense because I think a lot of people are just kind of poo-pooing the defense and going right to the offensive side of the ball. They couldn't run the ball. The play calling was terrible. But the defense, when they needed them the most to step up and maybe grab some momentum, they couldn't do it in that game. Uh, and that may be the biggest concern, to be, to, to be honest with you, for me heading into the offseason. 100%. I mean, uh, you look at this any different way. I mean, you compare the first game to the second game. Seahawks scored 24 in the first game. They scored 22 in the second game. That's right. not a huge difference. Right. They allowed, you know, what, 24 this game, and they had allowed, what, 13 the first game? Yep. Um, you can go points per drive. They were 1.8 points per drive in the first game. They were 1.8 points per drive in the second game. They allowed 1.1 points per drive in the first game. They allowed two points per drive. They were twice as bad defensively. So I just think that, that – while it is always easiest to to criticize play calling, and I 100% don't want to give the impression that I think the play calling was good. I think yeah. it absolutely should have been better. But if I'm a Seahawks fan looking at, okay, where do we go from here, and what does this really mean, I look at that defense and I'm like, I think we got problems all over the place, and I don't think there's a clear path for how that gets better. When you really break it down, the Seahawks offense, only four teams in the NFL scored more points offensively. Um, when you take out defensive touchdowns, when you take out special teams, only four teams scored more. There's not that much better that I think the offense – I mean, the offense can be better, but I don't think they're going to be 35 points a game better. So um, the defense has got a long way to go, and I think that's where my attention is in terms of figuring out how they're going to, to, to make that team better. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, for me, the, the, this year, Brian, I think you and I were on the same page when the year began. This year was not just about wins and losses – it was about checking off the boxes, you know, finding starters for 2019 and beyond, answering questions, filling in holes. And I was hoping that we could get here and say, okay, we found our two starting corners or we have found our starting free safety in place of Earl Thomas. And I don't know if we can say that right now. I mean, Shaq Griffin ends the year with a 100.4 passer rating against. Uh, Trey Flowers ends the year with 111.8 passer rating against. How can anybody in their right mind sit here and say with 100% certainty that Shaq Griffin and Trey Flowers are the answers long-term at corner? How about you? Well, I, you heard that from me consistently. I, I've had questions about the two of them, and I'd say Trey Flowers came out farther ahead for me than, than Shaq Griffin. But, you know, look, between the two of them, they had two interceptions, and both of those came in one game by Shaq Griffin in Chicago in, like, week two. So these guys are not making plays on the ball. They're not changing games. And the Seahawks' pass defense in general has been a real issue. And if you look at the trends for the Seahawks overall, people talk about, oh, Pete Carroll needs a Legion of Boom Hall of Fame-level defense for this thing to work. No, of course not. Obviously, that would be great. But – this is a, I think this is, at best, a middle-of-the-road defense this year. And really, I think it's a bottom third of the NFL defense this year. I think yards per play, they were, they were one of the worst in the NFL this year. I think that this team needs a top-10 defense in order to realistically contend. And I think mm. if, you, if, if you want to give yourself the best chance of winning a Super Bowl, not just being in the playoffs, but winning a Super Bowl, they've got a long way to go. And I think safety and both corners – I really hope that they add more to the pile there this year. I really do. Well, and here's uh, – I, I guess there's some good and there's some bad. Uh, the good is you've got $60 million in cap space over the offseason. Uh, the bad there being new contracts for guys like Russell Wilson potentially could eat some of that up. 
uh, and Frank Clark. Uh, the bad is that you've got four draft picks. So how much progress, honestly, is fair to expect them to make personnel-wise over the offseason, offense or defense, uh, in the upcoming maybe six to seven months? Yeah, it's going to be tough, Dave. I mean, I think you're going to have to look at free agency. I think there's they're going to have they 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 need to sign at least one guard, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's going to cost some money. Uh, I think they'll get some back. I really hope they cut Barkevius Mingo. I think that guy is was a waste this year, and he's got another year on his deal. That's a, a few million in cap space they can save. Um, I think that uh, there's some chances to to walk away from some other you know dead weight as well, and. I'll tell you what, a very, very, very unpopular concept that I think the front office has to at least consider is looking at trading Bobby Wagner. Um, What? I think, yeah, I absolutely (laughs) think they have to at least consider that. And I'll tell you why. Why? I'll tell you why. He is at his peak value. He's 28 years old. He's only going to decline from this point on. He's a first-team All-Pro. He's roundly considered the best linebacker in the NFL. Um, his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. And you have to ask yourself, is the defense and the team going to get to where they're ready to contend um, in the next few years where, where he's you know, playing at his peak, or are they going to be better off potentially turning him into a few draft picks um, and reloading? And I'm not saying I think they should do it. I want to be clear. I, I, think it's a, I think it's most likely they, not something that they should do. But I think you have to ask that question. This is the time to see if, 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 if someone gives you you know, a first and a second for Bobby Wagner, I think you'd have to think about that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you'll get that for Bobby Wagner, number one, because of his age. Uh, I, I would just wonder that out loud. Uh, number two, I, I, I have no problem thinking outside the box. And as ridiculous as things sound, I'm sure those conversations even come up from time to time in the VMAC. I mean, heck, we've heard rumors about how enamored John Schneider was with Patrick Mahomes a couple years ago, right? So if he was enamored with Patrick Mahomes a couple years ago, then there was at some point some conversation about moving on from Russell Wilson potentially in the next year or two after that draft. So I I think everything for those guys is on the table, but I would also expect that a conversation like that, Brian, you have that when you believe the team is on the decline, not when the team is on the come. If this was a championship-level team potentially next year, I assume that you want Bobby Wagner as a part of that, unless you believe that this team is about to take a step back. If you think they're a championship contender next year, I think – I think that if you're trying to build this defense so it can kind of congeal together and grow together to be another elite defense, you need young players right now. I mean, you need you need to reload. You need you need defensive ends. You need linebackers. I think you need at least two linebackers. Um, you need corners and you need safeties. There's a lot that this defense needs, and you only have four draft picks. You know, yeah. and um, you only have a certain amount of cap space and so I think they have to be wise about where they spend their resources, and they have to be open to all options. In all likelihood, 95% likelihood, Bobby Wagner's here. I'm going to be thrilled that he's here. So I'm not advocating that they get rid of him, but you got to look at the look what Bill Bill Belichick does. You know, when, when veterans, you know, Chandler Jones, all these guys, he looks at when they have peak value and and makes a decision. Are you really going to spend peak value contract wise? It's not just about his his performance. It's what Bobby's going to cost to keep around. Yeah. And he's going to be in his early 30s by the time his next contract is over. So I think there are tougher decisions there than, than people want to consider. They, they dismiss it out of hand. I think it's a legitimate conversation. I think that 
Let me do this. Uh, Brian, I, I want to ask you a question, and I want us both to answer, but I want you to go first, okay, because you're, okay. uh, you're the guest. Age before beauty or something like that, whatever, okay? <laughs> if there's one position group, just one, and maybe we throw out Russell Wilson, or maybe it is quarterback, I don't know. If there's one position group on this football team where you are totally, absolutely, without question, a 1,000% content bringing back the same personnel next year as you had this year, what position group is that? Oh, that'd be quarterback. Outside of quarterback, throw that out. So you want me to throw that out? Throw that okay. Out. Throw out Russell Wilson. Um, the next best group that you have the most confidence in. How's that sound? Running back. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> this is so boring when you and I agree with everything. I think if you brought back Chris Carson, Mike Davis, and Rashad Penny, uh, sprinkle in a little J.D. McKissick, whatever next year. Who knows about ProSize? Uh, I don't see C.J. ProSize having any future at all with this football team. The guy's missed half as many games as he's played for God's sakes. At some point, you got to admit that. But I think running back is the one group. I'm with you, man. Well, and I don't think they bring back Mike Davis. I don't see any reason why they would. Um, I think he's a free agent. You you let him walk. You save money there. You've got Rashad Penny. You've got McKissick. You got Procise. McKissick's I think a free agent as well. But um, you know even even in in the scenario where it's it's Carson and Penny and Procise, I still uh, am okay with that as your your trio as uh, as a running back. So um, yeah, I think that's good. I think I thought you were going to say what's your number one if you could make one position group you know, strong, which one would you pick? And honestly, it'd be offensive line still. Uh, I think that there's a chance, Dave, that they're going to go out, they're going to do, okay, we saw DJ Fluker, we saw J.R. Sweezy, we want to bring him back. I think that's fine. That's not the worst case scenario by far. But depending on what those guys command, um, both of them are a little bit older. Both of them have had some injury issues. There's some really decent guards on the market, you know, and Eric Cush, uh, Andy Levitri, uh, like there's some other guys out there that are worth kicking around. Um, I think they can upgrade there. And, and if, there's, if there's one change, only one change the team can make this offseason, and I think it's not likely, but it's the one change I would make, it, it, it's change in right tackle. I think that is an absolute key to this team passing the ball more, having more confidence. You remember Chris Terry in 2002 coming in and what that did to the Seahawks offense. They don't have confidence in their ability to pass protect, mainly because of Jermaine Effetti, even though he made progress this year. So I think George Fant, I think Jamarco Jones, I think both those guys are available in-house. And I'm just hopeful that they they don't get stubborn and pig-headed about just – continuing to go back to the well with a guy that's just not good enough when it comes to pass protection. So you disagree with Walter Jones. Walter Jones says, bring them all back. I asked him that exact same question on the air this week. I said, door number one is you bring all five guys back. So you're bringing back Dwayne Brown, Sweezy, Britt, Fluker, Effetti. Door number two is you make some changes. And they may work, they may not work. Uh, He says, bring all five guys back next year. Yeah, I mean, I I have tremendous respect for Walter Jones, the (laughs) Hall of Famer. Definitely do. Um, but I also think it's fair that, you know, I don't know that Walter Jones is spending a lot of time really analyzing the options. <laughs> I mean, I think he's looking at it probably about as superficially as, hey, I like the way they played this year. They were tough. They ran the ball well. Continuity is good. Let's bring them back. I think that's probably as much thought as he's probably putting into it. I might be wrong. Um, but I think there's some other options out there that are interesting. And I really, really believe that Jermaine Effetti is, is not – 
his trajectory is not going to be good enough for where the Seahawks want to go unless you want to be a 60% run team all the time. And despite what people think, that's not what Pete Carroll has wanted. Even during the 2012-2014, Dave, they were roughly 50-50 run to pass on, um, you know, uh, early downs. So they were way, way, way more run first this year than they ever have been with Pete. And I, I think they've got to get back to balance. Uh, does the name Sam Ficken ring a bell with you at all? It does not. Okay. He's in. Seahawks signed him today to a futures contract. Kicker, former Ram. I believe he was on the ah, Rams nice. roster when Greg the Leg got hurt. Is that right? Uh, because see, uh, Sebastian Janikowski's done. Obviously, he's not coming back next year. So this is going to be the fourth consecutive year that you'll have a new kicker, right? Hauschka, Blair Walsh, Seabass, and now this guy or somebody else. It could be a different name. But, my God, that position has just got to settle down. they got to find hey, a guy that they can have some confidence in. Do you realize how much cap space they're going to save? By getting rid of Seabass? Yeah. I assume a ton. Oh, come on, dude. You're taking me too literally. That was that was a pun, man. <laughs> oh, cow, I got head. you. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. My fault. A little I slow. mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna go from like uh, you know triple XL to to like you know a medium probably. So, man, that guy had a big head. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> that's what you think about he, when I mention Seabass is how big his head yeah, is. Yeah, I think about his jersey yeah. and I think about his helmet like just barely fitting over well, it that. It looks like that a noggin. helmet that he picked out of a 1980s Jafco catalog. <laughs> yeah, I like know. A, like a plastic one that you bought I, as a kid. I, I liked having him on the team this year. I'm going to like not having him on the team next year. Let's put it that way. Well, what else? Uh, what is the other big storyline you think of the offseason? Pete Carroll's obviously not going anywhere. Russell Wilson's contract. K.J. Wright was on our station yesterday and said he's going to free agency. And I, 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 I'm assuming that K.J. Wright likely is going to walk uh, and not be here next year. You know, the Hawks could always make an offer between now and, and free agency. But I, I just feel like if K.J. Wright gets to free agency, which he says he's going to do, and I think he probably wants to do. The Hawks have not made an offer yet. Can we kind of work under the scenario that uh, K.J. Wright is not a Seahawk in 2019? I would be surprised if he is. I mean, the guy's got – I don't know his medical situation. You know, I heard rumors, but it, it sounds it sounds like it's not going to get better. It's not going to, like, be a, you know, a surgery away from just being, like, back to normal. And, you know, he's, he's pushing – he's, what, is he 30? If he's not, he's pushing it. And uh, – Look, I think Michael Kendricks, assuming things work out there, can be had for a lot less money. He's younger. He's more athletic. He's less injured. Um, and I think the Seahawks actually looked pretty darn good when he was around. So that's one example. I think you can get rookie linebackers that come in and, and have impact right away. They're not going to be K.J. Wright. K.J. Wright's a special player. But um, linebacker of all places is a, is a place where I would look to get younger. And I'd look to, to you know take a little bit more risk. Um, you know, I, I, if KJ Wright can be had for a really affordable contract, fine. You know, I'm talking like 4 million a year and I don't think he's going to be had for that. So, um, I think it's time to move on and, and, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what comes up, comes of it. Okay. Answer my Twitter poll before you take off. I'm sure you saw this last night. Uh, and by the way, you did confirm that if Russell Wilson gets to four touchdowns next year after his first three games, He'll get to 200, the fifth fastest ever passing Tom Brady by not, one game. 
I did not do that for you. I'm happy to do it later. Okay. Though. Well, here's what it, here's here's what I asked. I said I'm fairly sure this is correct, and I gave, I said I, I I mentioned you. I said Hawk Blogger can confirm. If Russell Wilson throws four touchdowns in his first three games next year, so four total after three, not four per game, he'll be the fifth fastest all time to 200 passing touchdowns, a game faster than Tom Brady. So when we get done here, I know you have nothing else to do. Go confirm that, okay? Um, you got it. But here's my here's my Twitter question. The Seahawks' next Super Bowl will be in one to three years, four to six years, seven to nine years, or 10-plus years. And you won't be surprised that 66% of the votes say one to three years. What's your gut on that? <laughs> How long? How long? Uh... How long do we wait? One to three, four I mean... to six, seven to nine, ten-plus. I'll put it this way, Dave. I think their best chance of getting back to another Super Bowl is in the next, you know, I'll say one to three years. I think that's their best chance. Okay. My next my next bet after that is maybe not in our lifetime. Get the like, hell out of here. Dude, how many Super Bowls did we get to in the first 30 years? Well, zero. Of the Seahawks franchise. It doesn't happen that often. There's franchises that have been around that have never, a lot of them, that have never been to the Super Bowl. So this idea that you just, like, you know, it's, it's going to happen. You just got to, you know, wait. It's just going to happen. It's not a guarantee. I, I, I'm much more interested in, like, you know, I think we got some a period of time with Pete Carroll. I happen to believe he puts us in good position, like the best position to potentially compete. And um, if they can if they can build a better defense and they don't get – you know, resting on their laurels with that group, then I think with that plus Russell Wilson, I think we got our best shot in the next few years. If Pete gets run out of town or he retires or whatever and you bring in a whole new group, you know, I, I think I, I don't have a lot of confidence. I think it's really hard to find good coaches that are Super Bowl-level coaches. All right, well, there you go. Doom and gloom. Uh, nothing to look forward to whatsoever. <laughs> hey, I said the most likely was the next yeah. few years. Hey, so what about – how about this? What do you have more confidence in next year, right now, the offense or the defense? The most confidence? Oh, the offense. Hmm. I agree with you. 100%. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think I think the breakdown at the end of the half and the last three drives of the game for Dallas were very, very disturbing in that game on Saturday uh, in Dallas. Uh, I mean, look, your offense obviously had some problems, but for Dallas just to take away momentum as soon as they snatched it and to shove it down their throat for three straight drives to end the game, that was very disturbing. So we'll see. We'll see what happens over the offseason. But let's, uh, let's connect at some point. Have a great offseason, pal. Have a great summer. We'll talk soon. All right, buddy? Sounds good, Saki. Right. Thanks for the year. You bet. Brian Nemhauser at HawkBlogger on Twitter. Find him on the web, HawkBlogger.com. Uh, that's it for us. Hope you guys enjoyed this the entire year. If you didn't, then screw off. It's all free, so what do you give a damn? We're back next season, I hope. See you. Go Hawks.